Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Only has like three songs, That's three the, hits. That was the entire concert? Yes. Four songs, one know, being performed well, twice? let me tell you, we danced. Class is in. It's the Rock School Radio Show, emanating from my home studio, along with my kept wife. What is your name? Uh, my name is Tammy Burns. That's good. I'm Joe Burns. That would make sense, because... That would mean we're married. Uh, Monique Gregoire is still not here. It's Baby Watch 2015. Yeah, we still don't know. Uh, she either hasn't told us or hasn't she had the baby. She doesn't want you to know. I don't think she does either because that's the thing. If you had the baby, I can imagine. The baby arrives. First thing she does, call Joe. Call Joe. We have to get it on the air. As soon as we know, we'll let you know and we'll post it on Facebook. Uh, I still think it's going to be a girl. Let's go on to the topic today. This is what happened. I threw this up on Facebook to see if anybody would bite, and a lot of people did. The topic is, what happened? Why did a band change so? Why did a band have such success and then seemingly right off the edge of a cliff? What's the reason, or at least what's the theory? And we have a series of theories here from people who helped us out on Facebook. I have some theories of my own, and this show will either get you thinking. It's going to make me mad. Or anger you. Oh, yeah. But that's kind of the point of this show. It's, it's meant to at least start or spark discussion, and if it does upset you, great. Argue the opposite point so let's begin talking about it let's begin with the cars what happened with the cars for the 1980s they were fantastic well here's the theory richard on facebook states the cars were a hit after hit after hit band and i put them in the same category with def leppard van halen stop that richard but <laughs> police and motley crew the cars were a decade and once the decade was over, that was the end of the band. Mm. Remember, 80s, right. synth pop. I know what he's saying about Def Leppard, too. Production values. Once the decade was over, pew, Van Halen. Sort of a hair metal, teeth metal thing. Once the decade was over, pew, I'm, I don't agree with that. Same thing with, with Motley Crue. Hair metal. Once a decade was over, pew, off the cliff. Yeah, I don't agree with that one either. But that's his theory, and it's not bad. That's the concept of the show. Why did it happen? That's his theory. You're a decade. The decade ended. Bang. Off the cliff. Ten and done, huh? Yeah. It's the cars on Rock School. Coming out of the cars, let's talk about another band, or at least another reason why a band has, you know, a certain change or off the cliff. Liz Fair. 
Okay. Like Liz Fair? I do like her. Liz Fair didn't go off a cliff. Liz Fair went whew, the opposite direction. However, she did, and this is the concept, abandoning an audience. She abandoned an audience. Now, do you like Liz Fair today as the sort of poppy, pretty princess making the harder-edged hits, the Avril Lavigne-esque hits? Or do you like her as the riot girl exit to Guyville no, singer? No, no, it's the poppy things that I like from Liz. Right. You're right. You're right. There was a certain point in time where movie soundtracks came a calling. And she went bang. She took, instead of the exit to Guyville, she took the exit to serious cash and went that way. It says here, this is from Todd off of Facebook. He says, Liz Fair was flush with raw, innovative talent that struck a chord with hipsters and alt-rockers of the 90s. Then something happened, perhaps bankruptcy, and her music followed suit. I had hoped the 2004 single Extraordinary, which was a huge hit, uh, was satirical, but instead it was now the definition of her new image as a pop sex idol. Hopefully she'll find her muse again. Basically stating that what she's doing now is crap. It's not. It's not. It's just not what she made herself through. Right, and I, I think, you know, when you do things like that, you find another audience. You do, but you abandon the That's one before. Right. Uh, Beth agrees, Todd is dead on, I feel personally betrayed by Liz Fair. Then she writes, which is ridiculous because she owes me nothing. That's the truth. Uh, she says, I agree that this happens with other bands, Arctic Monkey, Management, Bare Naked Ladies, etc. I'll think of others, she says. So that happens. Some bands just decide, I'm going, I'm going over Some here. Some bands have to pay the rent. There is that. And in this world of download... <sighs> Certain people download and certain people don't. That's right. And and Liz Fair apparently went for the download. Here is Liz Fair on Rock School. This is Rock School, and we're talking about what happened. Now, you may disagree with what we're talking about. In fact, I'll bet a lot of you will. However, it's all opinion. And if it sparks a little bit of discussion, great. That's the point of it all. Let's talk ZZ Top. I like them. Okay, so do I. I like them all the way around. However, this is what Kent says. I have always found that ZZ Top went downhill in the 80s. Now, this is where people's jaws drop. Oh, those were their biggest hits. Okay, fine. Their first record is so good. Five zeros, by the way. Five O's. Uh, and all of their work in the 70s was stellar. But maybe after Deguayo, things went south. Legs and all that other 80s cheese came out. And then did that song for Back to the Future, plus all those cheesy videos. Yuck. Okay, now that's his opinion. And he is more than entitled to it. Here's what I titled that. The introduction of synthesizers or a new movement in your music. See, here's, let me preface this by saying something that I, that I heard in an, uh, an interview with ACDC. Some critic made the statement that ACDC has 12 albums that all still sound the same. And Angus Young said, that's untrue. We have 13 <laughs> albums that all sound the same. So often a band or an artist will hear from their audience, you should do something new. And when they do, I'm they, upset. Right, they get crushed. You know, oh, I want to hear something new. Okay, fine. No. How about this? And then the, the walls come tumbling down. ZZ Top 
did something new. They were that little band from Texas, a guitar, a bass, and drums, period. Then they found synthesizers, digital sampling. I love this stuff. Sleeping Bag is one of my favorite songs, if not my favorite song. I know. You you play it in the car all the time. I adore it. In fact, that's what we're going to play. But some people looked at ZZ Top when they discovered all of this digital and went, nope. Thank you. I'm done. Right. So it's the introduction of something new that makes, in some people's eyes, a band go wham, right off the cliff. And according to Kent, that's it. The end of ZZ Top. Me, I loved it. So that's, there's your discussion They lost a guy, they gained a guy. That's right. They didn't lose me from, I love everything. You liked everything. They never, they never went downhill for me. ZZ Top on Rock School. All right, into the first break here on Rock School. Uh, here's a here's a question. How about Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, and just Starship? <laughs> the band just changes too much. They do. They they are at one point they in did. time, you know, fight the revolution, come the revolution. Love it. Right. And then they try to become something different. Then they become a hit machine. We'll change the lead singer. We do this. It just changes, changes, changes. I don't right. I don't know who the band is anymore. It was three different bands. That's, it really was. It really was. I, I, that's yeah, sloppy. I, I, I didn't know what it was. So here is from Ralph and... I normally don't give last names, but I think we all know who this is, drummer extraordinaire. He puts a solid point on the description of the problem. Here's what he writes. Certainly, this is a subjective appraisal of when a band hits the skids and heads into they stink ditch. Makes sense. I would suggest that the decline in the quality of music is one area, decline in popularity is another, and decline in relevancy is yet another. Those are three things. When a band experiences all three, it's difficult. If they can have just one or two, it's just rare that a band can maintain all three. Now, he says, take The Clash, for instance. The Clash hit their creative and artistic peak with London Calling. They overreached with the triple album Sandinista. Of course they did. How do you write all that music in one shot? Sandinista lacked consistent songwriting and started the artistic decline of The Clash. With Combat Rock, they reached the peak of popularity and had two hit songs, but the album lacked creative vision or passion that they had with London Calling. By Cut the Crap, which was the end of it, they stunk. With regard to relevancy and influence, they never waned because of the first two albums. So... What are we talking about here? That's, you know, if we're going to do it, define your terms before you say, you know, like the cars, when the first one we started with, the decade of the 80s is over, but turn on any classic radio station, and classic there rock they radio, are. there are the cars. Yeah. So is there, is their popularity still there? Yeah. Are they still making hit records? No. But do people still know who the cars are? Absolutely. Sure. So the decade died and the cars stopped putting out hits, but will people still fork over 50 to $70 to go see the cars? Oh, in a heartbeat. You bet they will. So, you know, it's a, it's a back and forth fight. I understand that, but I still like throwing this out. Hey, KSVR 
Mount Vernon College, Washington. You have been testing us out a lot. They're really smart up there. They you are know. up in Washington. I like to say it with an R. That's my Pennsylvania <laughs> coming up. You guys have been testing us a lot. How about becoming an affiliate now? Huh? Huh? Send us an email. Come on. KSVR. We'd love to have you. Catch us on Rock School Facebook. Search Rock School Radio Show and like us. You really like us. Back in a minute on Rock School. All right, coming out of the break, how about the Ramones? How about them? The Ramones. This comes from Steve off of Facebook. Here's what he says happened to the Ramones. There is, after a while, a realization that you are an idea rather than a band. Yes. Yeah, you're a concept. How many people today walk around with Ramones shirts? And they have no idea who they are. I So many times. I know I've said this on this radio show so many times. I want to walk up to certain people and sort of take them aside and say, Ramones, huh? Name three songs. <laughs> Same thing with Bob Marley. And I'm not a huge Bob Marley fan. I mean, I, I know a couple of his hits, but I don't wear Bob Marley t-shirts. I want to walk up and sort of say, okay, Bob Marley? Really? Name three songs. You know, and I'll spot you, you know, get up, stand up. There you go. Now name two more. So, okay. Ramones, the realization that you're an idea rather than a band. Steve says, I have read that after the album End of the Century failed to make the expected commercial impact, the Ramones, Johnny in particular, resigned himself to cult appeal. They're the Ramones. You know, we'll put out anything. Right. And you'll think Van Halen. At this point in time, Van Halen could put out just outtakes. Just an album of outtakes. Right, and you would buy it. I would. That's, it's, to me, it's the cult appeal, and there is a huge cult appeal behind it. People who love the Ramones, if they put out the Ramones setting up and practicing before the gigs... Someone would buy it. Oh, a lot of people would buy it. Uh, he says, Steve goes on, although some of the subsequent albums are pretty good, Too Tough to Die is probably my favorite. They did tend to phone it in till the end. Not my opinion. That comes from him. But we're an idea. We're not a band. And we're going to ride on that. Now, some people who are Ramones fans are really cheesed. But it's at least a theory, and you can see it in a lot of other bands. Van Halen, for one... Guys, you think you might want to put an album out more than once every, oh, I don't know, decade? Huh? You used to put out one a year. Here are the Ramones <laughs> on Rock School. Coming out of the Ramones just a touch early to the bottom of the hour, but we got a longer song to come out of it, so I think we'll do okay on time here. Let's give our names one more time. I'm Joe Burns. I'm you Tammy are. Burns. It's Friday night when we're recording this here at my little home studio. What are we What are we drinking? Is that the spiked lemonade uh, once again? Yes, it is. Is it? Is it? What's the spike? Limeade. What's, what's limeade? Oh, limeade. Get much it right. better for you. Lovely there. What's the What's the actual alcohol in that? Is that, that, is that tequila? That is uh, our friend. Yes. 
it's, tequila. It's nobody's friend, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's rough stuff. Babe. It is. I've got my light beer over here. Once again, you turn 50, go to light beer. Okay, let's do seven days, 70 seconds, January 26th, all the way through February 1st. Something happened on these rock and roll dates. I believe you, my lovely wife, have Monday. Go. Uh, January 26, 1986, Alan Collins, guitarist from Leonard Skinner, crashed his car, paralyzing him from the waist down and killing his girlfriend, Deborah Jean Watts. Collins had survived a plane crash in 1977. January 27, 1962, Joey and the Starlighters started a three-week run at number one on the U.S. singles chart with the Peppermint Twist. January 28, 2008, Madonna topped the list for the richest female musician, according to Forbes.com. That was the first time ever that Forbes.com had ever focused on women in the music industry. So Madonna topped the first one, yeah. January 29, 1961, Bob Dylan achieved his dream of meeting Woody Guthrie when Guthrie was on weekend release from hospital where he was being treated for Huntington's. Dylan told him, I was a Woody Guthrie jukebox. Guthrie reaches into his pocket, pulls out a card which says, I ain't dead yet. I love it. January 30th, 1969, the Beatles, with Billy Preston, played their lunchtime rooftop gig on top of the Apple Building on Seville Row in London. January 31, 1970, American blues musician Slim Harpo dies of a heart attack while recording in London at 46 years old. Oh, that's young. And February 1, 1949, RCA Records issues the first 45 single ever, in case you're wondering. Texarkana Baby by Eddie Arnold. Take that piece of trivia and jam it into your gray matter. Rod Stewart. Love Rod Stewart. Which Rod Stewart do you love? All of him. All of him? Even the uh, faux disco stuff? Faux disco, absolutely. According to the Rolling Stone Record Guide, Rod Stewart is, quote, an abject lesson in the perils of pandering and selling out. Now, that's a that's a Rolling Stone-esque statement, and, you know, we're, we're very upset and all of that. Yeah, that's just nasty. Well, the thing is, it succeeded. His jump to disco, it may have lost him an audience because his early blues-based rock stuff with the faces and the earlier stuff, it garnered a great audience. The thing is, his 1978 album, Blondes Have More Fun, mm-hmm. with all of the disco stuff and right. the tight pants... It succeeded. It sold like crazy. And that's when the people who hate it say, well, sales aren't everything. Well, it's got to be something. It was for him. It sure was. I mean, this is how he keeps up with his you know, model trains. He's a huge model train enthusiast. So, you know, and he, he since walked away from it. Disco died. And he has tried and tried and tried to get back his soul credibility, if you will. But there you go. If if Rod Stewart is on your blank list. My pandering list. Yeah, that's what happened. There's there's where the problem was. So let's play one of the disco tunes. It's Rod Stewart here on Rock School. Coming out of Rod Stewart. That song went on a long time. 
It's like going to a karaoke bar and somebody starts to sing American Pie. Yeah. Hopefully they don't stink because they're going to be up there for a long time. Well, in concert it goes on. Oh, you know it does. Oh yeah. Well, you have to dance. Who was the Who was the the 1970s band your company brought in that one time? The Gap Band. Oh, what's what was the three, Gap three Band's songs. big hit? I don't remember uh, you dropped what it a bomb That's on me, right. baby. And on record, it's what, four minutes long? How long was it in concert? Well, they... It had to be 20 minutes oh, long. Oh, no, no, no. They started with the song. And yeah, you're right. I guess it was about 20 minutes. Then yeah. they played the other two hits. And yeah. then they went back to that song. <laughs> so, you know, that's when you know a band only has like three songs, that's three the, hits. That was the entire concert? Yes. Four songs, you know, one being performed well, twice? let me tell you. We danced the entire time. I think... Yeah. Uh, a little bit of uh, adult beverage had something to do with Tequila that. Tequila-based limeade, maybe. Yeah, let's see. That's what nothing. The... Nothing worse than a bunch of big dopey white people dancing to the <laughs> Gap Band. <laughs> dopey, huh? Yeah, like the uh, like the Seven Dwarfs. Sure. All right, let's talk Chicago. This was a band that, and I don't have them all here, but this was a band. As soon as somebody threw up the name Chicago. All of a sudden, boom, tons of comments on it. What happened to Chicago? Well, the band went soft or hit-oriented. Jeremy writes, okay, Chicago. I know a lot of people are going to say, hey, Chicago was good once. Well, I think what he means, Chicago rocked once. There's a lot of bands that, that sing mellow stuff. You know, Air Supply, they never rocked. Right. They sing, you know, calm stuff. The Association. Oh. I understand. Along comes Mary. They have one rocker. I get it. But for the most part, never my love. There's nothing Don't make wrong. Fun of that song. I know. There's nothing wrong with being a soft pop band. There isn't. No, but at one point in time, Chicago wasn't. So he states it may be a matter of taste, but their 60s and early 70s output was on par with blood, sweat, and tears as defining jazz rock. 25 or 6 to 4 and Make Me Smile were both amazing examples of how awesome and dizzying rock can sound when you put jazz chops and horns inside of it. And I agree with him completely. He he says it's because of the death of guitarist Terry Kath. I don't buy that completely. Another guy, Mike, makes a statement. I think I bought the same Chicago disc everybody else did. Disc one was amazing. This was the greatest hits. Disc one was amazing. Disc two was among the worst cheesy crap I've ever heard in my life. What about that? You and I have seen Chicago four times Four times mm-hmm. now. It's not because we're Chicago fans. Chicago is just radio friendly and they... Gave away tickets at almost every one of our radio stations. I was blown away the yeah. first time I saw them with, uh, with the horn section. I, I just couldn't get over the fact that all of these guys were up there and they were so good. They were. They're excellent musicians, but you, if you are an early Chicago fan, Chicago went off a cliff when certain things happened in the band and when you look at their greatest hits 60s and 70s oh my gosh later on <laughs> wiley coyote off the cliff and that little cloud of dust when he hits the boat. so here you go it's chicago on rock school children play in the park they don't know All right, let's talk about some really big names here. Richard brought this up on Facebook. Let's talk about the Rolling Stones, Genesis, Elton John. 
Oh, that's painful to put all three of those together. Well, I'm just picking them because, and well, Richard picked them anyway, but just massive, massive bands, huge. There was a point in time when each of these bands simply ruled the roost. Right. That was all there was to it. I mean, Elton John at one point in time was responsible for 2% of all sales in the United States. Meaning every single, every album, every everything that was purchased in the United States, two of every 100 was an Elton John. Wow. That's insane. I can't even imagine anything coming near that anymore. Maybe Taylor Swift, who, by the way, if I hear Shake It Off one more time, even in passing, I may just fall on the <laughs> ground and vibrate. You know, enough. Okay. Now, someone's going to say, no, the Rolling Stones, come on. They just put out that album, Grr, and they had that little hit. Uh-huh. I get it. But and at it the was moment, good. I, it is good. But at the moment, it's not the Stones. You know what I mean? They're not putting out hit after hit. And here's what Richard suggests. There has to be a shelf life. Just the concept of the, how do I put this? The variables pass them by. Let's talk Beatles for a second. Now, obviously, the Beatles went away in 1970, and those who were, you know, solo artists went on. My favorite solo artist, Beatle, uh, is George Harrison. But let's talk about Paul McCartney. Think about the song Yesterday. Humongous, humongous hit. The most re-recorded song in history. Wow. Fine. Let's pretend the song was never recorded. But today... Paul McCartney writes and records yesterday. Would it be a hit? Mm. I don't think it would because the variables have changed. The world... The it, world has changed. Right. It isn't accepting of the song. You know, why, why was Mozart so successful? Because he was really good at being born at the right time. I mean, I, mean, I think that's one of the good things. Why was Genesis so successful? They were smart enough to form at the right time. I think there's a lot to that, and there's a shelf life to it all. We'll what it? What is that shelf life? Is it? I mean, do you? When you look back, is it? Is it ten years? I haven't a good answer for you. I don't have a good answer for you. I can tell you that Genesis, when the, some of the uh, interviews that I've read, when the song "Misunderstanding" came out, uh-huh. that's when they saw their world going to radio. They, uh, they weren't the avant-garde, you know, Peter Gabriel dressed like a sunflower. Right. Oh, wait a minute. We're getting played on the radio. We have to become a different band. And the shelf moved a little bit. So there's just, and Richard said, there's nothing they can do about it. It's just. It just happens. Right. The variables change. It moves on. There's nothing you can do about it. Elton John, you know, huge hit. Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Mm -hmm. What if he wrote it? What if it never was written, but he wrote it today? Would it be a hit? Boy, you hope so, you know? You do, but I don't think it would. People would. It would be on his new album, and people would go, oh, that's a pretty good rocker. It wouldn't be the classic, classic song. Right. Yeah, see it. Here you go. Misunderstanding. It's Genesis. All right, time for the second break here on Rock School. We're running just a touch late. Here, uh, here's an answer, and it is one that we won't play a song for, but according to Jennifer, an artist leaves a fan base for another, simply walks away from those that made he or she successful for somebody else. Think Sheryl Crow, 
Darius Rucker. Right. Kid right. Rock. True. I don't know that I agree with Kid Rock so much. I think Kid Rock can straddle the hip-hop community and country. I, I agree. How he's doing it is beyond me. Those just don't seem like two groups of people that work. But you also now have this new kind of hip country. What is it? I think it's Georgia, Florida state line. I think I don't know what it is. It's a different kind of country. You've now got these these hip Tattoos guys and tats, no showers, right, and they bringing in no showers, and they're bringing in rap artists and such. Well, Kid Rock is also doing this straddling, but Darius Rucker walked away from pop completely, and has been embraced in in you know country. Cheryl Crow is singing country. And uh, Cheryl Crow kind of just goes where she needs to go, I believe, to. You know, to make a to make a dime, it seems like yeah. she's done that. Seems that way. Uh, I got another one here. Same Jennifer. She talks about uh, when artists completely experiment. Uh, Tori Amos, Fiona Apple. I, I agree with that, but to a point, an artist can put out an album that's just, but if they come back on the next album mm-hmm. and they get back to who they are, most people go, eh, well, that was a album, right? We'll just we'll let that one go. But if they change into that experiment if they're a rock band and all of a sudden they're bjork that uh, yeah, yeah not yeah. good so hey key uh key how about kbys that's my professional radio coming up kbys mcneese state university lake charles louisiana you tried us out a good bit over the break huh you liked it i think you did how about making us a full-time affiliate we would love to have you down there in lake charles louisiana back in a minute on rock school Okay, last break here on Rock School, and I'm going to dedicate this one to Keith. Keith sent this one along, and I agree with it. What happened? The artist went political. Oh, do you like that when an no, artist goes political? I hate that I do too. And the thing is, people are like, "Well, I, I like it when I agree with the person." Oh, nah, no, nah, not really. Nah, nah. Uh, here are the people that Keith suggested: Charlie Daniels, Ted Nugent, Barbara Streisand. At least he got. You know, somebody from each side of it. I don't understand it. It, if, if, especially if it is invasive to your music and to your concert. Cutting out, cutting out half of your audience. That's oh, exactly what happens, right? I, I agree completely. Especially if you become sort of rabid in the concert and you stand up there, say Barbara Streisand, and just rail against conservatives. If a conservative likes your music. Wouldn't that person feel sort of really uncomfortable to be inside of that concert? Not that they're unsafe. You've just sort of, if you're at a party and everything you believe in is being ripped apart right in front of you, why would you go? Just entertain me. Yeah, I agree. You know, I I have no trouble with anybody's political beliefs, but... No, stop. Don't do that. What's the name of this show again? What happened? Oh, you're going to do the Fred Willard thing. What happened? Oh, yeah. you did know who it was, from, huh? Yeah, that was from A Mighty Wind when he played Mike, what was it? LaFontaine. Mike LaFontaine. La yeah. Mike, uh, what was Fred Willard? Fred Willard, yeah. He was also in Spinal Tap. Yeah. Wasn't oh, it? Oh, my gosh. He, he's he been in a. 
A ton Hundreds of them. Hundreds of movies, yes. Yeah, he was the Air Force guy. I don't remember what his name was, but he was the Air Force guy who hired Spinal Tap to play on base. And then uh, their natty systems, their wireless systems ran into trouble and began, <laughs> instead of using the guitar <laughs> sound, it was uh, replaying the planes speaking to one another. So, oh, wow. What happened? Sad I can pull that all out of my head. So uh, let's wrap it up. We'll play a little bit of Ted Nugent. I'm Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. Enjoy that limeade there with a little bit of agave inside of it. That's going to do it. Class is dismissed. All right.